So as you can probably tell, this week we're going to jump back into our series on the household, and we're going to pick up where we left off last time. And for some of you in the room, to pick up where we left off last time, that's left you scratching your head saying, and that was uh, where again? It's been a while, right? It's been a bit since we've talked about the household. So let me bring you all back up to speed and, and recap the main theme a little bit and to remind you where we left off in our last sermon on the household. So this series has been on the biblical theme of the household, of course, which is a way of speaking about the invisible and also inescapable ties that bind communities together. I've argued that the household is actually the bedrock to society because it is the covenantal order or uh, the covenantal way and structure that God has placed everyone into. And that's everyone. We all, in some way or another, belong to a household. Okay, You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a father. You're a mother. Everyone has come into the world into a household. There is no one in this room that doesn't have a mom or a dad. There is no one in this room that isn't a son or a daughter. So in that way, everyone fits into the household in one way or another. So there's no isolated individuals that have somehow come into the world that have bypassed this idea of the household. So while it, we might be tempted to simply call this family, which some of you in the room, you might be thinking this. Well, why didn't you call this a series uh, The Family, Mason? Why didn't we call it that? Well, it's, it's not always just the family. That's why I haven't decided to call it uh, the family. I called it the household because household is a way that um, the Bible speaks about what we're talking about here. However much the household might mirror a family, it does have a ton of overlap. Its boundaries uh, sometimes even transcend um, even the family because as we saw in the last sermon on the household, the bondservants are included in this order of the household in the way that they submit to their masters. Okay, uh, So it really does revolve around the home and who's in it. right? The, the home actually is the big center of what we're talking about here. The household is not just the family. There might even be people in your household that aren't related to you with bloodlines. But it pertains to those who are in the house and what is going on and operating within the household. So you might ask, well, who all does this include again? Who, who is in the household? Well, Paul sums up the household uh, roles briefly in Colossians 3, 18 through 22. I think this is a really good uh, verse for us to keep coming back to because Paul really summarizes the whole household in just a couple short verses. In other places, he, he'll, he'll expand it over a couple chapters. But here in Colossians 3, 18 through 22, he says this. This is the, the basic order of the household and what we're talking about. He says, wives... Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Okay, last time where we left off, uh, was at the beginning of Ephesians. We're, we're still in Ephesians 5 today. But last time we looked at the beginning, which prepares everyone to submit to their authorities in their respective ways. What we looked at, at that in that last sermon is everyone needs to be prepared to submit. Okay, It's not just some people. Everyone is called to submit to someone, and that's the authorities that are placed over us. So this week, we're going to begin to do a deep dive into each of these roles within the household, beginning with 
the wives. Why the wives? That's just where the Bible always starts. I don't know. I don't have any other answer than that. I'm going to start where the Bible does. And then we're going to move on uh, to the rest of the household. So uh, husbands, fathers, children, employees, don't think you're getting off the hook. Your week will come. We will talk to you and address you uh, when your week comes. But for this week, we're, we're going to begin where God does with the wives, starting in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Let's look at our Bibles together. These are the words of God. So let's give attention to these words this morning. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should, should submit in everything to their husbands. The word of God for his people. Let's pray. We're going to need it. Lord, we do come to you today. Coming to your word to, to honor it. Lord, as you know, and as even my congregation before me knows, uh, this sermon has been a bit delayed. The timing did not feel right. And here we are today. And Lord, I ask that you would work by your Holy Spirit in this room this morning, and in myself, and the words that I say, I pray that we would take very seriously your word this morning. We pray that we would honor it. I pray that you would do the work that I cannot do in working through your spirit and each and every person in this room to apply this in the ways that you would call us to. Lord, I don't know what this word even looks like practically in application in some of the contexts that I'm going to be speaking to this morning, but you know I pray that you would be gentle with us all as we look to your word this morning for guidance and, and helping us more to honor you and what you've called us uh, to do, and especially the wives this morning. We pray for our hearts this morning, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be honest with you, church. I had a hard time deciding how I would begin this sermon. There's a plethora of things I could say about the topic of wise wives as it relates to our present culture, both in and outside the church. Okay, this is a hot topic. This isn't something that's easy uh, for pastors to speak to. So there's a, a billion different directions that I could go down. I could I could go on about how feminism has convinced women that this scripture is oppressive and antiquated. Uh, or how it's convinced them to throw out any hint of submission in their wedding vows. We don't believe that anymore. That's not what marriage is anymore. Uh, we've moved on. We've progressed from that. I could talk about how pastors have shied away from this topic over the years so as to not upset the ladies in the church out of fear of the ladies. You guys can be scary sometimes, let's be honest. I, I could caveat and qualify this sermon to pieces to where there was hardly any meat left for us to even look at and say, well, you have all this fluff around. It's been so sugar-coated that at the end of the day, you're left in a little, wondering, well, what does it even mean? Okay? And I, I fear that that's what we've done with some parts of the Bible, and this one especially, to where we've, we've kind of just talked so much around the issue that we haven't really just confronted what it basically says uh, and accepted that and then moved forward from that. So that's what I'm trying to do this morning is get a baseline understanding of what the Bible says when it says, wives, wives submit to your own husbands. We'll work out from there. So I want to start there and then move out, not start with all the billion questions that come with that and then move towards submission. I want to start with that and work outward. Uh, but I'm not going to do any of the caveats today. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. And I do that because I respect you all. 
especially the women in the room. And I, I want to honor you enough to th- this morning to assume that you are going to take God's word seriously enough uh, that this is something that you can receive as instruction from God. Amen. So, so I want to honor you by doing that this morning, by, by assuming that you don't need a billion caveats to just say, well, this is what the Bible says to you this morning. I, I want to honor you by, by saying that, that, you, that I'm going to take it for granted that you don't need convinced that this is God's word that is still applicable, relevant, and even profitable as 2 Timothy 3.16 says that it is. It, it's for you this morning, ladies, and I trust that you believe that. So With that said, let us begin gnawing on this scripture that so many people do indeed choke on. So, who is this addressed to? The the, the address to the household. Well, verse 22 makes it crystal clear that this message is addressed to the wives. Okay? So, that is who I'm primarily preaching to this morning. I'm preaching to the wives, and it's not that husbands can check out and say, all right, Uh, He's talking to the wives this morning. I want you to hear what I'm saying, too, but I'm preaching directly and exhorting the women in the room. And I say that because when Paul addresses the topic of marriage within the household, he speaks individually to each party. okay? because he honors them. The implication here is that he's not just speaking to the head of the household to give him the instruction that then can be passed on to the wife. Okay, so he's honoring, honoring everyone in the household to say, I'm going to talk to you because this is what you need to do. He's not saying, head of the household, here's what your family needs to do. Go make sure it happens. Okay, So that's what Paul's doing. He's addressing directly the wives. And I think it's important to see that he doesn't say, husband, see to it that your wives submit to you. Okay, That's not what Paul says. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So he addresses the wives because submission is something that is in their hands. Ladies, say, my hands. My hands, okay? It's in your hands, not the husband's hands, that submission is to be carried out. Husbands, if you think that submission of wives means that you make them do what you want, well, then you've misunderstood how submission works, okay? Good luck doing that. It's not going to work for you. Submission is willingly accepting the authority and leadership of someone else, okay? This is what leadership is. So husbands, this sermon is only indirectly uh, given to you because you cannot force enforce submission any more than your wife can force you to love her. Okay, More on that in the weeks to come when we talk about husbands love your wives. Wives, you can't make your husband love you. Husbands, you can't make your wife submit to you. This is something that has to be uh, chosen by the party that is laid in their hands. So we're going to talk to the wives today. And the wives are the ones that I want you to really to take seriously this command to submit to your own husbands. So that's what we come to next. We've seen the address is to wives. So what is the command to wives? Well, let's read it. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, submit to your own husbands. Now, I, I want to unpack submission a bit more in a moment, but before we do that, we need to realize that the husband is tied up in this concept of submission for wives. The instruction is not simply for wives to be submissive to anyone. It doesn't say wives be submissive, period. It says wives be submission to your own husbands. It doesn't say wives be submission to, uh, be uh, in submission to husbands. It says to your own husbands. Okay, so the, the implication here is that it's not even telling wives to be submissive to men. It's to their own husbands, and there's a difference there. Okay, women, if you believe the Bible says that you should just submit to men, you've misread it. 
But that's not what it's saying here. If you submit yourself to just any man, you'll find yourself in all kinds of trouble because people will take advantage of you. Okay, take the Me Too movement, for example. Right. There's a million opinions about what that is. But we'll just say in the least, it's confusing about what the roles are there and how women should um, act around men. And confusing for men and how they should act around women. Okay, So we need to get a, a baseline understanding of what the Bible talks about when it talks about the household and submission. So women who have submitted themselves to a man uh, that should have never been submitted to will cause all kinds of problems. And we've seen that in our culture before. It, it gets messy really quick. So I say to you this morning, wives, do not submit to men. Okay, that's not what the, the scripture is saying. Submit yourself to your husband, and this will keep the divine order in place in your home. You're going to see flourishing when you see this unpacked. So we've seen that it's two husbands. Now let's talk about submission a bit, a bit more. So submission defined, we might say. What does submission really mean? Well, submission is a reception of authority, not expertise or competency. Okay, did you hear me? Reception of authority, not expertise or competency, is what submission really is. When a wife submits, she's not saying that she agrees with her with the decision of her husband, and it's and she's going along with it because she also thinks it's right. That's not what submission is. Biblical submission is receiving the direction on the grounds that it is coming from the authority figure. Right? We understand this really well in other contexts. For some reason, when we bring it to marriage, it's like, I don't understand at all. Like When you get in the military, we're all about uh, saluting the, the rank and who that person is, even if it's a person we don't like. But then for some reason, when God explicitly tells us in the Bible, this is how we're supposed to live in marriage, we're like, I don't get it. I don't understand. But, but this is the, the, the way that we should view this. If submission was about expertise or competency, skill, proficiency, experience, any of the like— Right, any of the like, then the instruction could have been given specific or couldn't have been given specifically to wives because it could then apply to either one. Because I would not say for a second that the wives are always less experienced or less competent than the men. Right? I know that there are women in here that are way more competent than their wives in certain areas. Okay, so so this uh, this command would have been given to married couples uh, if that's what uh, Paul was saying here, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, wives, be submissive to your husbands. And submission isn't just uh, who, saluting the more competent person. It's saluting and uh, bowing, in a sense, to the authority figure because they are the authority figure. So nevertheless, many people treat their marriages with this mentality of it's just whoever's more experienced is the one in charge. And this can be a problem, right? Competency is the authority in many households. Whoever's more experienced gets to be the one in charge. But that only works until there is a disagreement. Okay? Then what do you do? Because, because you, you can say, well, I'm going to submit to the more competent figure. That's great. But what if you both say that you're the more competent figure? Okay? I am more experienced in this area than you are. And the, and the husband says, no, I am. Okay? You've butted heads here. Now what do you do? You're both the more competent figure. You're both more experienced. You're both saying I'm more proficient. What do you do then? You've, you've uh, come to a stalemate, and no one is going to relent. Okay? This is why God has clearly defined the authority figure so that there's no confusion about who should be leading here. God has given us the order ahead of time so that we don't have to figure out in the moment who's going to be more strong-headed and win in the end. Okay? I, I, I once worked for a company that had a practice of promoting people from within by electing two peers to a shared leadership position. 
Okay, and you can think about the nightmare that that would create. So there would be two people that are just coworkers, and there would be a position that would come open, and they'll say, I'm going to uh, pseudo-promote both of you to where they would both be in the pseudo-authority position, and whoever showed more competency in the role would be the winner that management chose. Sounds like an awful plan. They've done it. They did it several times. Anyway, every time I watched this, it was not only confusing to the people, uh, to those who uh, were reporting to them and who they were in charge over, but it also divided their relationship. Okay, Two friends who were co-workers at one time both get promoted to this position where they're fighting it out in the end. That would divide their relationship Okay, to where they became enemies. They weren't on the same page. The employees didn't know who was really in charge, and neither did the supervisors because they were still fighting out this role that was up in the air trying to figure out who was going to win in the end. The result was confusion and hurt between everyone. And yet, many people choose to run their households with this mentality. Okay, We'll both just say we're the leader, and then we'll fight it out and see who's more competent in the end. And what that happens is just it pits two people against each other to where the people that are supposed to be on the same page are saying, I'm going to win this one. I'm getting this position. I will lead here. The old leadership quote is true. You've probably heard it before. Anything with two heads is a monster. Okay. Anything with two heads is a monster. So if competency is not the determining factor for authority in the household, then what is? That's the question. What is that? And the biblical answer to this question is given to us in our text this morning. It's in verse 23, and it says headship is the answer to this. Verse 23 says this. This is the reason wives should submit to their own husbands. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Okay, the command is rooted in the order of the household. So this is why, uh, and which, as we've said before, it's not something that can be escaped. Right? This isn't something that we can choose to say, I pick you as head. You'll be the, the, the one that I choose. No, even Christ himself holds a place within the structure of uh, reality where he is a head and he has a head over him. Okay? Remember 1 Corinthians uh, 11.3? We talked about this before. If you remember, it says this. this. This kind of brings back up this understanding of authority and headship in the home. It says in 1 Corinthians 11.3, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, so there's the order that is given to us. So the reason a wife submits to her husband is not because she thinks he's smart or capable. That's not why. And you know that, right? That might be one of the reasons that you chose to marry your husband and make him your head by marriage. But once you're married, uh, you submit to him because he is your head. By definition, that is who he is, and that's why you submit, because that is who God has placed uh, over you as your head. So when a wife submits to her husband, what, is she, what she is doing is obeying God's order of creation and saying, this is actually something good that you've given to me in the order of marriage, and I'm going to embrace that. And I'm not going to necessarily do it because I think my husband's right all the time. I know he's not, but you've given to him, me, to him, uh, to me to him as a head, and I'm going to trust that you are working through this, God. Okay, so, she, so she's working congruently with the patterns of life that were instituted for human flourishing. And this is why in Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Okay, As is fitting in the Lord. In other words, you do this because this is what Christian women were supposed to do. 
It's fitting because you, like Eve, if you remember the Genesis uh, part that we were looking at, and the order of creation, you, like Eve, are a helper fit for him. Okay? This is the way that Genesis talks about marriage, that you are a helper fit for him. And by embracing that order, instead of bucking against it, you are being obedient to the Lord himself. So there's a way in which you're able to even see through your head sometimes, see through your husband to look to Christ to say, I'm being obedient to you today, even though I know that this knucklehead isn't always right. Okay, Because that's how it's going to be. Your husband is not going to always be right. I'm sorry. I know I'm not right all the time. My wife definitely knows I'm not right all the time. But there's a way of submitting to your husband in where you say, I'm going to honor you. But more importantly, I'm going to honor God. And I'm going to go this direction, what you're leading our family to do. Okay? And this is a beautiful thing, isn't it? If we really trust God in the way that this works. In verse 23, we have an allusion to how husbands are to be even savior types to their wives. Okay? Just as Christ is head to the body of the church and is its savior, husbands somehow likewise are to be that kind of figure to their wives. They are to be uh, saving them, washing them is the way that the Ephesians 5 will go on to talk to. As we get to husbands, we'll see that. There's a way that husbands are supposed to relate to their wives in which they are presenting them to the Lord without spot or blemish. Which has the implication of cleansing them, washing them, saving them, helping them along. So the the husbands are actually a gift to them to help them do that. We'll talk about that more when we get to husbands. But for now, we're talking about wives. So within submission is a kind of implication that by doing this, there is salvation that's happening through your relationships. Just as the church submits to Christ as our head for salvation, wives are to defer to the headship of their husbands for the overall health uh, for the overall health of the household. So just as you submit to Christ for the the health of the church, the household of God, there's a way in which women are called to submit to their husbands for the health of the household. So the church submits to Christ's authority because he promises to save it from evil, to work all things for your good, okay? And provide all that is needed for uh, human flourishing and life. That's why we submit to Christ. But as everyone in here knows, that submission even to a perfect Savior, to Jesus Christ himself. That submission is even tested at times, isn't it? It's hard even to submit to Christ sometimes. Now consider how all the more difficult this might be to the people like me, right? to the husbands in the room. In the moment, it might not feel that Christ's way will lead towards our good. You've been there before, right? Not just the wives. Every person in this room, even the husbands, have known what God is calling them to do, and they say, doesn't feel like it's going to end up good, but I know that you're calling me to go here. So that's, that's what I'm trying to, to help you to understand this morning, to where we are called towards the good that Christ has called us to. And it might not feel like that's the good, but we're called to trust that it will be good in the end. And that is what submission looks like. That's, that's, when, the, when the rubber hits the road, that is what submission really comes down to. So it might not feel like following the husband's lead on a particular decision will be for your good, but you are called to submit out of reverence for Christ. Right? So this is the way that there's going to be times where you're going to say, I'm not even sure that my husband knows what he's talking about. But he's leading me, and I'm trusting God with this. So you, so you, in a sense, and this is the way that my wife speaks about it, seeing through the head, seeing through the husband, and looking to Christ and saying, I'm going to be obedient to you. Because I know that you know what you're doing, and I'm following you, Christ, and submitting to your word because you've given me this instruction to do, and I know that that will work out for my good. Okay. Now, I know that there's a wife in here thinking, Mason, I know you know Jesus. 
And it's easy for you to say to submit to him, but you don't know my husband like you know Jesus. Those are two totally different people. You're right, they are. I understand that. Okay, Husbands aren't the perfect image of Christ most of the time. Okay, I'll just say most of the time. Maybe sometimes, yes. So, so there's going to be a hesitancy for you wives especially as we read this next verse. Many of you in here are going to have a hard time hearing verse 24 because this is what it says in verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Does everything mean everything? That's the question, isn't it? Here's our problem. We often uh, have when we come to the Bible. When it says something that we don't like or that's a hard pill to swallow, we immediately question whether or not it's saying what it really sounds like what it's saying. Okay, This is where we are uh, most willing to become liberals, where, we're say, where we'll say, eh, I don't think it really means that. Okay, and, and, and what it says here to me seems pretty clear. Wives, submit to your husbands in everything as you would to Christ. Okay, that's what it says. That's the clear reading of the text. That's the plain reading of the text. And there isn't really much fluff around it that would lead you to say, well, that's not really what Paul is saying. That's what the Bible is saying here. Now, as with every other scripture in the entire Bible, we must read this within the context of the whole. Okay, there's more to the Bible than wives submit to your husbands. I hate to break it to you, husbands. Uh, which means that we cannot completely disregard the whole paradigm of sin and righteousness in Scripture, okay? Uh, sin is still sin, okay? Whether or not you're married. And faithfulness to God's law reminds, remains binding whether or not you're married, okay? You still have to do these things. So what this means is that marriage does not revolutionize our obedience to Christ. Uh, Christ still remains our head, and you are still called to do everything that he has called you to do. The, the, there's just something else put in there in between, a husband, okay? But, but what does it mean uh, that another figure of headship has been placed on you as wives when you're married? What does that mean? That here you have a husband now to go through. So your, your obedience to Christ, your head, in a sense runs through your husband before it goes to Christ. So ordinarily, this is the, the natural pattern of life, ordinarily this is simply a transfer from your headship under your parents to the husband. Okay? As you get married, you're under your headship of your parents, you obey your parents, and then you move out of the house and you get married, and he becomes your new head. Now, that's easy to understand, right? It's not too complicated. Whereas your parents received your submission before, now when you're married, your husband becomes your head. And what this means is that unless it is disobedience to the higher head above your husband, namely Jesus, then God himself, God the Father, you are commanded to God to submit. That's the hard pill to swallow. In sum, if it is not sin, you are asked to submit in everything to your husband. If we can get past this, we can get through anything in this household series. Okay? This, is, this is the hardest part, I think, for wives to be able to get to understand. This is the baseline understanding of what submission is. And Peter, when he's exhorting the wives in 1 Peter 3, which, mind you, Peter's a married man. He understands what it's like to be married. He anticipates the wife who may not have a good Christian husband, which would make this command much more difficult, right? Okay, it's not easy submitting to a man that isn't even a Christian. But there he says in 1 Peter 3, he says this, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, almost identical wording to Paul. Uh, and then he says, so that even if some do not obey the word. 
They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct, even if some do not obey the word. And this is why the burden of headship is such a serious thing. I've been talking to husbands a lot, or I've been talking to wives a lot. Let me shift to husbands now. Husbands, your leadership affects your wife's relationship with God and your relationship with God. That's not something to take lightly. If you're not dealing with your wife in an understanding way, you are, and you're making your wife's more or your wife's submission more difficult than it needs to be, the scriptures tell us that your prayers will be hindered. And it's just a couple verses after the one that we've been looking at here in 1 Peter 3. Okay, Your prayers will be hindered if you're making the submission of your wife a difficult thing. Deal with your wife in an understanding way, lest your prayers be hindered. Oh my goodness, husbands. Do you realize what that means? The implications that we have there as heads of our households, how serious we should take this. Okay, Husbands, if you think your wife... Uh, and uh, why is your, her submission? If you think this idea of submission is a funny thing and you throw around scriptures like, well, the Bible says wives submit. And when you're just wanting to get your wife to do piddly stuff that doesn't even matter, I want you to take very seriously the instruction that we'll get to when it comes to wives and husbands and husbands treating their wives in an understanding way, lest your prayers be hindered. That's not something to joke around about. That's why I can speak this morning to wives in this kind of way, because this isn't a joke. This isn't a funny thing. This is something that God calls us to, to take very, very seriously. What we're going to find, church, as we look at the roles of the household, is that everyone has a very high calling to fulfill. It's not just wives. Husbands, your role is very important too. Children, your role is very important. Now, just think about this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, that you might live long in the land. If you don't want to die early, obey your parents. That's, that's a big command if you really think about what the Bible is saying. Obey your parents because there's a promise that you'll live long in the land. And the implication is if you don't, that you won't live long in the land. This is literally a matter of life and death and how we operate within the household. Okay, Wives, you're called to submit. Husbands, deal with your wives in an understanding way so that you don't get your relationship with God clogged. Right. So there's not a block right there that when you're going to heap up a prayer to God, God says... You haven't been dealing with your wife in an understanding way. Why would I deal with you in a gracious way when you're not even dealing with your wife in a gracious way? This is how we should be thinking about the household. Bond servants obey with fear and trembling, is the language that the scriptures say. Master, stop your threatening and remember who your master is and how he will treat you. This is something of deep severity. It's not something that we play around with, church. The household is a big, big deal. So as we close this morning, I want to draw your attention to a pastor that I really love. Um, And he said something once that really struck me. It's not even about the topic that we're talking about, but the concept I want to carry over a bit. So, So John Piper once said that he preaches on the sovereignty of God often so that when hard providences come to knock on the door of his church, he doesn't have to explain God's hand in it, how God actually was orchestrating things. He simply comes to give them a hug. Okay? When hard times hit, he doesn't have to unpack all the theology that comes behind the sovereignty of God and how he really is in charge of all things. He doesn't have to do that because he's done it on the back end. He's preached about it for years. So he, he walks up to that person and says, I'm sorry. He comes and wraps 
his arms around them and says that he'll give them a hug and he's there for them. That's something of what I'm trying to do here with this series on the household. I'm not trying to put out any fires. When I look out here, I don't, I don't see you guys up in flames saying, I'm trying to th- cram this down your throat. You don't understand it. That's not what I'm doing here at all. I'm not pointing any fingers at any particular household. I'm simply trying to give you the tools and the biblical order of the household so that when the world comes and shakes at the foundations of your marriage, tries to tell you how you should educate your children, how you should parent your children, and the like, you know what the Bible says, and I don't have to beat it down your uh, beat down your door and say, no, 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 this is what the Bible says. Don't mess up here. No, I want you to know on the back end so that when you get there, I'm able to come and stand with you and say, no, no, no. We know what the Bible says. We've been here before. We know how to live in our households. We know what we should do when hard times come our way. Don't be scared. This is going to be okay. We're going to work through this. This is how I want to be as we come to all these roles in the household. I'm not trying to, to, to cram anything down your throat. I'm not trying to be oppressive to the, to the ladies in the room. I know that if anyone listens to this sermon online, the culture is going to say Mason's a bigot. He, 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 I can't believe he said that. He said wives should submit to their husbands. No, I didn't say it. The Bible says it. And I'm just trying to stay as faithful to I, as much as I can to God's word and say this is what God's word says. And if we want to be faithful Christians, we're going to have to read the Bible and we're going to have to take it seriously. So my main goal in this series is to educate you, to help you understand what, how the household should work. And most importantly, to glorify Christ as the centerpiece for all of these relationships. Jesus is the one that we look to and how wives submit to husbands. That he's the one we look to. He perfectly submitted himself to the Father for our salvation. Think about that. His submission saved you. That's, that's what we should see when we look at how wives should submit to their husbands. He perfectly submitted himself to the Father for our salvation. His temptation to run from the pain of the cross was a perfect example for wives as the evil one might cause you to be tempted to choose your personal comfort over submission to your husband. That would be really easy to do, wouldn't it? But that's not what you're called to do. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. But the, the more, uh, but more importantly, even than uh, the, the example of Christ, we see the gift of salvation. Okay? By giving himself for us, we've been saved. I know that's a very simple statement, but just think about that. He died for people that didn't deserve to be saved. He did some stuff for us that we didn't deserve. Wives. Peter says that your submission can work the same way for your husbands. Okay, So we talk a lot about husbands being kind of a savior figure to their wives. Think about wives being a savior figure to their husbands. Through your submission to your husbands that might not even obey the word, Peter says. They might not even be a Christian. Through your submission, you can play a role in their salvation. That through your submissive and respectful, con- respectful conduct, their hearts are changed. They're brought closer to the Lord. You can not just save them for the people that aren't saved, but for the ones that are saved, many of the people in the room, that you say, well, my husband is a Christian. He just doesn't obey the word very well. Okay, That person can actually be helped along by you, by your pure and respectful conduct, by your submission to him. You're going to help sanctify him. He's going to see that beauty of an inward person that you are submitting to God, your head over him. He's going to realize how much you care for God, how much you love God, and that's going to change his heart. What an honor to be a wife who walks in the footsteps of Christ in that way. That's what Christ does for us. You think he wants to submit himself to, to the things that we're doing to save us? No, that's a hard calling. That's not fun. It's very, very difficult. And yet, wives, you have the honor, and it really is an honor, 
To be called to walk in the footsteps of Christ. To be savior figures to your husband. To love them in such a way that you say, I think you're wrong. But I, I love you and I respect you and I'm, some, I'm submitting myself to you in such a way that I want your salvation out of this. So I'm going to follow you even though I think you might even be wrong in the moment because I love Jesus even more than I love you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a very, very high calling that you've called wives to. Help us to remember that you know what you're doing, that um, your ways don't change, that you are the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and your patterns for living are antiquated. They're not out of date. They are actually extremely relevant, and they are for our profit. So, Lord, we pray that we would embrace the good order of creation and marriage that you've given to us today. Let us not poke fun at it. Help us to take it seriously. Uh, Lord, I pray that even me as a husband and all the husbands in the room, Lord, let us uh, not take light the instruction that you have given to our wives. Help us to be good, faithful husbands, to love our wives, to make it easy for them to submit to us. And Lord, I pray for the heart and the soul of the wives, that you would help them to be like Sarah, not fearing anything the way that you've instructed in your word. Make them bold. Help them to be fearless women of God that are strong and have backbones, able to stand against all the world who is crying at them to never submit to anyone, do whatever they want to do. Lord, we thank you that you've placed us with authorities over us for our good, for our help, and for the flourishing of humanity. We give you glory and praise today, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us continue to worship this morning by standing and singing together. When I survey the wondrous cross, that is hymn number 224. We've this, swapped this for Jesus saved. That again is when I survey the wondrous cross, hymn number 224.